Hey, what's up, everybody? Chris Hollifield here. I want to personally welcome you to a brand new episode of the I Am Salt Lake podcast. If this is your first time joining us on the podcast, we're here every week showcasing awesome people in Salt Lake City and the surrounding areas. We're talking to business owners, authors, tattoo artists, restaurant owners, breweries, distilleries. We're giving you a taste of the city. If you have an awesome story, we're going to probably showcase it here on the podcast. Our website, this one's really easy to remember, IamSaltLake.com. The cool thing is you can go there and listen to the entire back catalog. All the episodes are up there. You can listen to them really easy to do as well as subscribe to the podcast. Hey, are you moving to Salt Lake City? Maybe you're listening to this podcast because you want to figure out what this city's all about. Are you looking at possibly moving into a house with a little more space in it because we're all working from home now? Well, in case you didn't know, you guys, I'm a licensed realtor now, and I'd love to uh, show you some homes. I'd love to show you uh, possibly your dream home, help you find a place to call your own. Uh, You can give me a call, shoot me a text anytime. I'd love to help you, 801-244-2908. But otherwise, let's get into the podcast. This This is a good one, you guys. Thanks for listening. We'll get started. I want to find out what's your earliest memories of dressing in drag. If we can start there. Okay. I did see a picture on Instagram that was so adorable (laughs) of you dressed up in like a little like tutu. Oh, yes. That was, um, that's the moment I thought of when you asked, I just used to dress in dance costumes. My sister's dance costumes when I was really young, I just thought it was fun. (laughs) Which it is. Like how young, how young are we talking? I mean, are we talking like, like five or are we talking like yeah, 10 or, or what? Like four to five probably. Okay. And so is, it, is that kind of <laughs> just been a thing of yours? Like you just kind of always like the spotlight, the performing or, or was it just more of the, just dressing up in, in tutus and dresses and stuff? So yeah, I, I dressed like when I was really young, I wore some dance costumes and tutus but I didn't I didn't do that a lot it was it kind of stopped I think around the time that that photo was taken is around the time that it stopped because I was like weirded out that people were would react so much to it yeah like it would cause such a reaction nobody was mean my family wasn't mean about it but they would just like laugh they would just be like that's so crazy and I'm like and then you started so to get self-conscious about it. Yeah. So I got self-conscious of it. Our son had the same thing. He, I have the most adorable pictures of him dressed up in these beautiful princess dresses and wings. And he loved it until he noticed that people were commenting on it. Right. <laughs> so. And I, I think that's just kind of one of the things that happens and you just need to learn to kind of ignore it. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's the part where I had to learn 20 years later to stop being embarrassed which I'm still learning, like basically what I feel a lot in the performance world is for me, the biggest fear was being embarrassed in front of people. Like I was just like, so worried about anything. Yeah. I was worried about it. And I realized you have to just like embarrass yourself almost on purpose to get over it. So what was, what was that for you? Like, when did you decide? Cause it seems like going into the spotlight was kind of a challenge for you. You know, most like a lot of us who go into the spotlight, we're kind of stupid and we don't realize it. 
Like we're okay just being <laughs> dumb and figuring it out. But it seems like you're very self-aware and you wanted to do everything like in the way that would that would make you feel like you were progressing correctly. Yeah, I think I think I was very self-conscious and self-critical because I wanted it to be perfect, which is a very common thing for artists. But to be a successful artist, you have to stop caring about being perfect. You really do. You have to just start doing it and practicing it. Like the only way that I've gotten to where I am with the rock show that we're doing is just doing it. Like, and I say this all the time. I don't feel like I'm the best singer, dancer, drag. I don't feel like I'm the best anything, but I am good at putting myself in a situation where I have to do it in front of a group of people. And that's really where I've gotten better. What is it that you're worried about? I mean, are you worried just about it all or how you look, how you sound? I mean, what is it, what part of the performance aspect of it that is it that you worry about? I feel like I'm most worried about what, it sounds so simple, but what people think. And I realized that me worrying about what people think about me was because of how judgmental I was towards other people. So it's been, it's been very humbling to put myself out in a vulnerable way because then I have a lot more empathy towards other people, other performers. Um, I love that because I know as a, a creative, when you put everything you have into something, it's like you're bearing your soul and it's very difficult because you're hyper aware of the criticism that lives in your head. Yeah. And then you assume everyone else has the same criticism because we don't, we can't really be in anyone else's body or experience. And so it's really challenging when you're kind of a perfectionist and you have a vision to really do anything. Because if you don't make it a hundred percent and someone says something, you'd be like, I know, but I had, I was going to do it, but you, know, <laughs> you yeah. want to tell them, I know, you know, it's a tough thing to do. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think I think for sure, most artists face overthinking, they face thinking too much and scaring themselves out of it. The fear is the biggest reason why people slow down or give up on these projects. I almost said give up on their dreams, but it's like, your dreams are your dreams, you have to make a pro it's a project like if you don't have a project, your dreams don't matter. It doesn't like projects matter are steps to your what you're dreaming about if you're not yeah, if you're not doing anything to make them happen. So it's really like people give up on their projects when they are scared of failing. And that's what I was realizing today is like put it all on the line and be willing to lose everything. If you're willing to lose all of it and know that you may never have this, like know that that dream could possibly never come true. You have to be okay with that and just go for it. So what was the moment that you decided to just go for it? The first moment that I really decided to just go for it was when I was 21. No. Yep. I was 21. Well, like 20 at the time, but I decided to go to, um, I had just moved to Salt Lake and I decided to pursue their music theater program. And it just really hit me. I'm like, What's most important to me artistically, I have everything that I need in life. Now it's time for me to 
make this self-realization happen and to make my vision start to happen. And all I knew, I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like, but I knew it involved singing, dancing, and performance art. So I decided to pursue the music theater program. That was like the biggest, boldest step I've ever taken in the direction of the arts. Music theater school ended up being two years. I dropped out halfway through because I felt like I learned everything I needed. And time to put it to use. Right. I was like, like I can keep doing these classes, but writing a, you know, a report on a Shakespeare play or that's not going to help me enough. I definitely think acting classes, dancing classes, singing lessons, those are the practical application things that I knew I needed to like continue, but just like continuing that with the university was not worth the money if I wasn't going to get a degree. So I just like pulled out and pursued yoga. I did at the U I took ballet classes for two years, singing lessons, a little bit of acting. And that was enough to boost me onto the drag scene where I entered into um, the city weekly drag pageant. And that was kind of the next big step. So music theater was a milestone. And then starting the uh, drag pageant was probably the next milestone. That was 2018, June of 2018. That was my first drag show that I did. Let's talk about your drag name. Where does that name come from? Where does, uh, how does that, because I think we've only had, we had Gia on the podcast. We had Gia on, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You know, so I, you know, we kind of got to talk a little bit about it, but that was a few years back. So this is kind of even a little bit of relearning for me, you know, a lot of. Yeah. A lot of times, even listeners, we don't we don't know like where, where did they get the you know the name or how does this happen? And yeah. It usually seems like it's very special. Yeah, meaningful for for most people, it's very special. Well, first off, um, you mentioned Gia. I just want to shout out Gia for being such an incredible drag leader in the community. You should bring her back onto your podcast tomorrow because oh my gosh, if it's been a few years if it's her. been a few years since you've talked to her she's now a full-time dude she's a drag boss. performer entrepreneur like her main source of income is drag in salt lake city which is a huge step to be able to sustain yourself on a free style entertainment career like that in salt lake is a really big deal so oh, bring her yeah. back on talk to her again um you asked a little bit about where I got my name, the drag name. Yeah. I so Marlo, when I was a youngin, I was in I was like fourteen, probably between fourteen and sixteen, and I did the Pioneer Trek, the Mormon Pioneer Trek with my church, like we had a stake. <laughs> you had the, like and, the, you had to carry the um hand carts. Yeah, are you f- are you familiar with it? I also grew up LDS, so yes. Okay, I'm with you. <laughs> so you did a you did a trek. We I think we I thought it was did not quite the same. Did you grow up in Utah? Was, what did yeah, you grow up, up in, in Utah? Okay, Cache Valley. Yeah, I think it's a little more intense in Utah. What what is this trek? I don't. I... You have to be pioneers, man. Okay, <laughs> you put on pioneer. It's clothes, literally like you grab a hand. It's card. a. You know how they used to do like Civil War reenactments like back in the South where they like dress up and they like shoot 
blanks in their guns and do cannons and all that stuff. Cosplay. It's obviously not that intense. We don't shoot guns, but you dress up as pioneers. You have like two or three outfits that you wear for the whole thing. <laughs> it's like it's like you Oregon have, like, Trek in real shirt, life. Oregon Trail. <laughs> denim. Yeah, it's like Oregon Trail, and you load all of your camping stuff into a handcart. All your food, all of your camping gear. And for like three, I think ours was three days. It's pretty not too long. I know some people, some wards, my mom, when she was younger, she did like a full, I don't know, it was like a week long trek. Like the real, she did like the real deal where they did it through um, the actual like Rocky Ridge, which was the pass that the pioneers had like a huge issue with getting their handcarts over because it was so rocky that their handcarts would just break. So oh their handcarts were breaking and I don't know. So that one was more intense. Mine was That's a little less crazy. intense, but yeah, dressed up as um, a pioneer and walked a handcart across some ranch. I think it was hardware ranch or something like that. I don't remember, but um, they put you in groups uh, in your stake. So it's like five or six teenagers and then a husband wife couple will be like the chaperone for that group. and. They call it your Trek mom and your Trek dad. And my Trek mom's name was Marlo <laughs> with one R. And I just remember the first time I heard the name. That was the first time I had heard the name when I met her. I was like, whoa, I love that name. And I always kept it in the back of my mind like I was going to name a pet or a child that. But turns out it was the perfect name for drag. Um, and then Suzanne is my mother's middle name. So my mother and my sister both have the middle name Suzanne. So now Marlo has the name. How do they so feel about just, how do they feel about that? Your your mom and sister. Oh, they like it. They're like at first they're like, What? Okay. <laughs> but I think I think they like it now. Now they know it's an honor. I was just wondering, you know, yes. even even if they're a supportive family, you know, it's like Oh yeah. It can, they, it can be very tricky sometimes. Because that's cool. It's obviously not the most, you know, everybody in Utah, we're not all dressing in drag. So it's, it's like, all of a sudden, it's like, you know, they got, yeah, my mom, she gets it. I've been a drama queen my whole life. Always dramatic, always finding was, something. Your to mom do was theatrical. probably like, Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you found something you love. That's how yes, I would feel. I think it took a long time for her to realize, but it happened because she had never seen me perform in drag until April 30th or May 1st when we had the 70s rock show at Metro. That was the first time she saw me in drag and it was the first time we did a live music rock show and I think it was a very good moment for her to see me the first time in drag because it was actually music theater basically. So she was really excited about it. They, My parents love the music. It's not just me on stage, lip syncing one number and then getting off, you know, which is why I never invited them. I'm like, I'm not going to have you come all the way to Salt Lake to see me do a five minute number that I'm lip syncing when they know I can sing. They know I like music. So it's been really cool That's to have cool. them. My mom even made a costume for me for the 80s show, the most recent show we did. She's a seamstress and she made a costume. Oh, oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. So explain to me why you kept the beard. Not that I have a problem. I mean, obviously I got a big beard myself here, but I think that's, it's, yeah. that's not that's not awesome. a, that's not a typical thing, right, in the drag community to have a beard. 
Um, it, it's actually pretty common. Is I it? definitely okay. am not the first, and I'm far from the only. So you're saying I performer. could I could dress in drag then? Okay, I okay. keep telling okay. you. Yeah. Okay. 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 Uh, yeah, people. I I had my beard almost that long at certain times when I was doing drag. Just have like basically you put some glitter in there and paint it white, and it's like really smashing. With the it's drag gorgeous. <laughs> but okay, how difficult is it to do all the cleanup every time you do that? <laughs> I just have to know because like not it's having so a beard, bad. I still hate cleaning up. <laughs> the reality is, is the beard, like cleaning the beard after drag is not bad. It's like getting the makeup out is usually just shampoos right out. Getting the makeup off of my eyes is way harder and getting... I get home from a drag show and my office slash drag room is always a huge mess. Oh, for sure. Because you're like trying to get done to get out the door. Yeah, there's just so many details. Like being a drag performer has way more into it than people think. Like usually it takes me between... It's usually about three hours, between three and four hours to get ready and get out the door. Like wow. I can I believe it. <laughs> do my makeup and usually about depending on how fast I go, I can you do my makeup in about 2 hours and then it sometimes it'll take me another hour just to finish putting the wig on, doing the jewelry, putting on the nails, getting the outfit on, the hip pads. Dude, being a hot chick is hard tights. work. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's definitely hard work. It's it's really therapeutic. I enjoy going into the mode but the part that's hard is the cleanup because i pull out all the boxes i need to get a box out for the jewelry get a box out for the tights a box out for the shoes and so there's makeup all over the counter there's going out and drag is like if i do a full night of it it's easily eight hours or more if i include cleanup time if I need to be to the bar by nine, I have to start getting ready at five at the latest. So I start getting ready at five. I have a half hour drive down to the bar and then get home usually at like between one and two. And then the next day I have like at least one to two hours of cleanup to so what put it is all it, away. What is it that makes it worth it for you? What is the moment where you're like, I don't care it was worth all of this effort. The moment is, it's always the moment on stage when I feel people absorbing the message. When I, when I see people, I call it the stars in their eyes. When you're up on stage and singing a song and there'll be moments where you feel it just click it and you can see it in everybody. You can see it in the audience when it's really working and the feeling that comes back after giving all of that energy is the greatest reward like high it's high cost high reward effort is isn't it so crazy that high cost high reward is so fulfilling even though you put so much into it Oh yeah. I I've said this a few times but the high that comes 
from performing is like better than, I mean, there's a lot of drugs I haven't done, but I don't imagine that there's any drugs that are better than that feeling for me anyway. <laughs> Agreed. I'm on your side. So how often are you performing then? So like, I mean, if, especially backing up a little bit, I mean, if it takes you as long as you said to get ready, I mean, you're probably not doing this every day, right? Like you're doing this, I mean, a couple, couple times a, a week, couple times a, a month or is this weekly or how often are you, are you dressing and doing the, getting all dressed up? Though? Really? I'm working on keeping it down to twice a month at the very most. Like sometimes I start doing more. Sometimes I have a month in between, but because it takes an entire, like this last weekend, I did a drag event on Saturday night and I spent Saturday day getting the outfit ready. Like I went to the store to buy a costume, came home, got ready, went to the event, got home at two, took me an hour to take makeup off, went to bed late, woke up the next day at noon, and then had a full day of cleaning after that. Like, obviously cleaning the house, but cleaning the drag room stuff too. I still haven't even finished cleaning it up. But basically the point in saying that is like, a drag event on Saturday night means the whole weekend, basically. Right. So it's like, I'm really having to spend a lot less time on small drag shows, which I love them. That's been a huge boost to get me in the right direction. But my partner, Jake, he always says, do way less and make it way better. I like that. And basically quality over quantity. And I feel that I think it's so much more rewarding when I can bring a show to the audience that is just full of well-rehearsed, high-quality content rather than a lip-sync every weekend type of thing. Totally. So where, I mean, for listeners that are listening, because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners that have never been to a drag show here in Utah, that have never been to a drag show at all. And I we mean, should fix that. Yeah, I mean, let's, obviously, let's change oh, yeah. it. Is, it, <laughs> it seems like the drag community here in Utah is pretty big, actually. I mean, would you say it's it's pretty big? I mean, are there, uh, is, is there yeah. a lot of, is, is it pretty, pretty I feel big? like it's super badass. Like, you it's guys do super a killer job. And it's, there's a shit ton of drag in Salt Lake. Like the th interesting thing. So have you heard of the book, The Tipping Point? Uh, yes. Malcolm Gladwell. Hello. Yeah. Like freaking book. genius book. Like I want to listen to it again, but the bottom line is, is for an epidemic to happen, it has to be almost like consistent, 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 consistent. And then it hits a point where it just explodes and drag within the last, probably I would say four to five years hit its tipping point, And it's just like saturating the market. There's so much drag going on. And basically we're just like in that snowball at the top of the mountain. That's starting to roll, 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 roll. It's going to get bigger. There's going to be more makeup artists, more drag performance, um, I think you're going to see a lot of what I'm doing with drag is people are moving away from just club drag to I'm a drag artist that does this art. Like you're going to see drag a lot more like drag comedians or drag musicians or drag actors. And they're doing things out in the real world, not just in the queer scenes, not just in the LGBTQ world. There's 
it's going to become mainstream. I love yeah, and that. That's I my love, vision. Yeah. With the rock show is like, I love performing in the drag scene, but as big as I see this going, it's going to be the music scene. Like we're going for the music scene more than just the drag scene. Right. Right. Just take your persona to a new level. Right. Let's I actually, let's actually talk about this. So you have a show coming up. I, September 10th. Is that correct? Is that the next, your next performance or do you have something before is then? September 10th. That's sound. Well, it's our first time gigging at sound. Well, I just went and saw the space backstage. It's a really chill vibe, really chill vibe. I'm excited for it. Is it like uh that I see like eighties themed though, or something? Is that kind of what yes. you're doing? So we started out, we did an April, a show in April and April 30th, May 1st. It was a 70s rock drag show. We had two performances, well, three performances of that. And then I was like, all right, let's gear up and learn a whole brand new show, which learned some lessons on turning a show around that quickly. But now we're doing 80s music. So we have a full set. It's like an hour and a half of 80s rock, hour and 15, hour and a half. And we have five singers, myself, um, a drag artist, Sequoia, um, another drag artist, Milady Wood. And then uh, we have rock singer Sky Dahlstrom and another rock singer, Giovanna Doty. So they, I know them all through Milady Wood. I know from doing drag in the scene, but the rest of them I know from the music theater world. And that's what I kind of goes back to the, like making this more about the music is I wanted to do a drag show, but for me, it was, let's find the best singers that I know and that I have strong relationships with and ask them to trust me and embark on a new project. So we have a full set with five lead singers and we're like singing backups for each other and we're doing choreography. Like we have, I think we have five or six numbers that are fully choreographed in the show. And yeah, all these people, they're good dancers. They're good performers, incredible vocalists. I, yeah, I wish you could just hear them right now. They're so such good singers. Like I feel lucky to be working with them. Like I feel lucky to have them in my space because I'm learning so much about performance art, vocals, choreography, that what they say is surround yourself by people like great people who are good at what you want to be good at. And that's what I feel lucky is to be surrounded by people who I feel like I have so much to learn from. That's awesome. One of my favorite things is to remember not to be, or not to think at least that you're the smartest or most talented person in the room. And to be able to be around people that you can continually learn from is one of the most amazing things you can do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, Definitely feel that. <laughs> so, did, so did you put together this this eighties evening? Yes. Is it your brainchild? Yeah, this is my brainchild. I um, tell us about how that came about. Uh, when I was like fourteen, I went with my older sisters to see Real Big Fish in concert. Oh my gosh! Yes, I'm on your side. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the first rock band I had seen live, and I had listened to Real Big Fish a lot growing up. It was like the punk band that my sister, my older sisters were just like 
always listening to the punk ska and we went and i was just like blown away at their energy their energy was so high they had the horns they had the trombones and the trumpets and just like the upbeat rock energy and i thought it was hilarious that they sounded like they were so happy but then they were like just talking shit in their songs they're just like they're just like fuck this but great ambiance right yeah it's just like (laughs) one of their songs is called you're such an asshole and he's basically just like insulting the listener or whoever the song is about but it's like the most happy vibing song anyways their energy was so great and i that was when i first had the idea of like oh i want to do a rock band that'd be fun to be a singer for a rock band and i kind of just like held that in the back of my mind for a long time until i started bringing singing into drag shows like when i started singing to tracks i kind of was like okay i kind of want to get live musicians in here um i also did when i was at the u i was in the musical american idiot it was the green day musical like the broadway adaptation of their album american idiot i've never seen that and i really want to that it's sounds really cool. cool it's really cool it's kind of like an abstract story with like i mean the story makes sense but it's like the music is they're singing what the lyrics are to the sh- the music and the story just kind of follows along that yeah, like the story is based on the songs, which is a little right. bit backwards in musical land. Right. It's a little bit backwards, but when Green Day wrote the album, they wrote the album with a story. Like they wrote the story into the album so they could just bring the story to life. And being in that rock show was like another huge inspiration to move forward with rock music. And also the idea of trying to bring a little bit of a story to the drag shows we're doing. So it's not as tightly woven of a story, but I always like to bring in a concept. So the idea is when the show starts, you find out I have this little monologue at the beginning of the show where you find out that you've just stepped aboard the starship and, (laughs) and that the galaxy band has landed, invited you onto the starship, and we're here to tell you a story about our travels through space and time. And we're still working oh on gosh. the story and development. And it's 80s themed? Yeah, and it's 80s themed. That's so cool. Oh my God, it's like the perfect blend. I love it. Yeah, it's just like cheesy and hopefully will make you cry. And it made some people cry. There was a friend of Sequoia's who came backstage right after the show, and she just had, like, tears down her cheeks. She was so happy. Tell you what, we fill that place with pregnant women, you're going to get all the tears in the world. <laughs> <laughs> so do you, do you play any musical instruments then, or do you just sing? I play piano. I okay. haven't practiced a lot in the last few years, but I hope to bring that into the show as well, Play, be able to play, like, a piano number and sing. I don't want to play the whole show, but maybe just do like one or two numbers, play and sing together. I also played tuba growing up when I was in high school. I was in the marching band and I played the tuba. Dude, I filled in for tuba. So 
You're my spirit animal. <laughs> spirit you filled, tuba. You filled in I was for a trumpet tuba. player. I was like first oh. chair trumpet, but we didn't have tuba, so I also played tuba. Oh, freaking awesome. I um I always wanted to play the trumpet, but they never let me switch. Tubas What? Tubas get locked into plays. Cuz yeah, that's a it's a tough thing to it's get out. It's a trap seat. Like I'm like I want to play trumpet and the band's like, "Oh, we need tuba players. Sorry." And I'm like, "I don't want to play tuba." Dude. Band teachers are mean, but that's a whole other thing we can get into later. <laughs> really? They won't let you do what you want to do. What I think is the band teacher should let the students, all of them, play whichever instrument they want. And if you end up with a band that has 75 trumpets and, like, a flute... Then pick a good song. That could be cool. You could be, like, a right? trumpet band, you know? Or, like, if everybody wants to be a percussionist, you're just Stomp. You've seen Stomp, right? Where Yes, I love <laughs> this. I don't know. Thank you, because you know what it's like. You, like, want to do something, and they're like, no, we need someone to do this. You're over there. <laughs> right? Anyway, like, they should let cool people that you switch tuba. instruments more often. Like Totally. Anyways, that's a whole other... clearly i have issues is is there a quality that your drag persona has that you wish you had in your life i wish i was in my life day to day a little bit more outgoing slash joyful because when i'm in drag i always feel like happy i'm always like but i definitely feel like i'm getting there like i have been laughing to myself a lot more lately like I'll just be thinking and realize that I'm like laughing out loud. <laughs> that to me is like, oh, okay, you're weird, but that's a good thing. Keep doing that. That's like the best kind of weird. Absolutely. That yeah. That's way cool. So do you feel like it's helped you getting really like positioning yourself and, and focusing on your, um, your drag persona? Do you feel like it's really helped you kind of become more of a robust person in your daily life? Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's an interesting thing that learned. I learned a while ago when I was doing drag shows for bottoms up. Um, that was a phase lasted about six or eight months. I was, um, assist, I was helping them put on drag shows. It was at the old, this, uh, club sound building right before the pandemic hit. It was like the six months before that um, I was putting on drag shows with Randy Ovison, the bar owner. He's now the owner of Waikiki, which is the new um, queer bar down in downtown. But that was when I first really started doing a lot of drag and was like going every weekend that burned me out. By the way, drag every weekend is not a good thing for me. That would be very hard work. Yeah, it's <laughs> it was a very costly endeavor on my health and sanity. But one thing that I did realize that it helped me in my regular life is I became a lot more confident in my own masculinity because that was something that I was very unsure of and uncomfortable with in a lot of ways because as I came more open and comfortable with my feminine character of Marlo and being out and about and just like allowing myself to be ultra feminine, it really gave me more confidence and comfortability, comfortability in being and accepting the masculine side of myself as well. So it was, 
definitely helped me in that sense. It's helped me in my communication skills, being able to talk to people. And really the biggest thing is it's just such a learning experience for me to be able to continue to expand my comfort zone and my awareness and my leadership skills for sure. Has it ever been, I mean, that's a lot of challenges to pile on yourself. What, what keeps you motivated to accomplish all of that and lead and create things? Because it can get really overwhelming really quick. The why I kind of had this realization after the 80s show last week, I got really in touch with, and it's always such a spiritual experience for me when I have a show like that, that's like new and it's the first time we do it. It's performing is a very intensive spiritual experience in the sense that my mind just like wipes clean and I just start, I start downloading so much information and I have so many realizations all at once. And I got really in touch with my why, like, why are you doing this? What's the purpose? What's the intention? And my real intention is to touch, motivate and inspire the world. I do this to be a contribution in the world by reminding people about their own dreams, their own potential, and to hopefully motivate and inspire people to take action on those dreams in their lives. It's one thing for an artist to just be really good at music and make you feel something, but it's a totally different thing when they inspire you to take action. And that's really why. That's the why I do it. I love that. That's like the best why ever. I love it. To pass it on. <laughs> yeah. I, and I think that any artist just needs to get in touch with the why. Your heart will lead you. You just have to continue to trust it and... um, And do the hard work too. Do the hard work and <laughs> let the mind get out of the way because it's so easy for your ego to want it to look a certain way. But really, you just have to like step back and let life happen and just say, yes, like, okay, that's how this is going. Let's do it. Oh, mm -hmm. that's what's going to be. Okay. That wasn't what I was expecting, but it's the way yes, it is. So we're just going to keep moving on. <laughs> I love it. Let's actually, we need to switch direction. We have a few standard Salt Lake City questions that we ask everybody that sure. comes on the show here, yeah. Marla. So of course we got to ask you as we kind of shift directions to, uh, so we have family and friends that visit us from time to time. I'm sure they have, you have family or friends that come, come into town and they're like, show us around, show me the tour, you know, take me and show me these cool things in Salt Lake city or, you know, the surrounding areas, the lake, yeah. the park city, wherever up North, wherever. We'll what, even go down to Moab. <laughs> where, what do you show people, man? What do you, what do you, when, when, what, what's the tour? Where do you like to take people when they come to town? Um, I always like to take people to spark. Spark is in Trolley Square. It's the best retail shop in the city, hands down. They got they got a men's and a women's store. I shop equally at both. I know most people shop equally at both. They have the blingiest caught like outfits and they're not just like costumes. They're like nice nice jackets, nice shirts, nice jeans, shoes. All the above, you can get something with rhinestones, sequins. <laughs> they have, like, the coolest different, like, 
really modern designers. Like most of these designers I haven't heard of, but the owner, he flies out to Vegas, LA or whatever, and goes to these huge conferences, like retail conferences. And he just like finds the coolest shit and brings it back to Salt Lake. They've got like crazy underwear, crazy socks, like gym shorts, workout clothes, suits, tuxedos, dress shoes, like funny t-shirts. They've got dresses with sequins on them. They've got like, they have a whole hat shop where you can get like sequin hats, feather hats. They have sunglasses. They have jewelry. They have like giant jewelry sets. It's where I get all my jewelry. They got bracelets, earrings, bras with sequins all over them. They got like (laughs) clearance section. Like it seriously is like, I'm not even joking you. There's something for everybody in there. And from conservative cute to just the radical, they have it all. It's really the coolest store. What's so crazy about Spark and why I'm always so like raving about Spark during the coronavirus pandemic lockdowns, like right when the lockdowns were barely starting to open back up and shops like were open for like limited business hours from like noon to five. You remember that period? Oh yeah. They, they started, they opened up. And from that period until the beginning of 2021, so it was like the last eight months of 2020, they got so much business going and they decided to open a second store. When everyone else was like pulling back, they were getting so much business, they opened a whole second store, like doubling their retail size. And they're taking up two shops in Trolley Square. That's awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. And if if they ever awesome. like do a sponsor spot on the podcast or any sort of advertising, I got to have you talk about it. Cause man, you, you just sold, I know, you right? sold me on this. <laughs> you should go. Go they got, they got uh-huh. everything there. I'll go check it out. I'll go check it out. Is there anything you would change about Salt Lake City? Like, let's say you could change one or two things. Is there anything? Maybe not. I don't know. Um, The literal number one thing, if I could change is... To figure out how to get cleaner air, like, like they have that, it's, it's so bad. They have that. And I know that it's so hard to get around this. Like we have to have energy production in some way, but there's like the power plant out West that does coal. And I think that pumps a lot of the air, like the bad air. There's opening a whole new, like they call it the inland port, which Obviously, we depend on shipping, but they're opening up a whole new shipping. There's going to be like way more big trucks. Like that's something that worries me for people's physical health long term is we're breathing in so much just like smog not not to mention the wildfires. Obviously, those are tragic. Those are a tragedy to be experiencing that. But I know for me, like I feel I can feel the smoke, especially when we're trying to sing like that. We we did a show um, uh, August 13th, and the week right before that was that crazy smoke where it was just like yellow outside. And we're all like, uh, we have to sing this weekend, but literally we can't sing because, you know, so I mean, that's something that I wish I could just snap my fingers and change because I think a lot of people are really suffering for it. I think a lot of people probably have health issues that they don't realize are related to it. Man, it's probably, who I knows? I probably totally got some of my that. health issues are probably related to it. I wouldn't mm. be surprised. Yeah. It's, it's always the last thing really you're like, Oh, that's why I feel like crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't you figure headaches, out what it is. Like yeah. makes you cough. Like 
running outside is like, that's hard. Torture. Like, I feel like I can only elliptical in the gym to get cardio because a lot of times running outside just feels so harsh. What about any favorite local eating spots in the area? I'm really weird with food. <laughs> I Good. don't have Good. a lot of, I don't have a lot of favorite restaurants. I try to avoid for the most part, most common American foods. Like, so probably, I honestly love R&R barbecue. That's <laughs> yeah, nothing wrong with R&R, man. It's yeah, just keep it food. simple. Like, mostly I just get their like pulled pork or brisket. Sometimes I'll get sweet potato fries. Just keep it simple. <laughs> First of all, no, I'm glad we finally got you on the podcast here, Marlo. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm super stoked. I mean, I know we just kind of skimmed the surface with so much of what you have going on. I mean, you have a performance coming up on September 10th. Any other performances that you got coming up or anything else that you want to advertise or, or mention or ways to connect or, or ways to Facebook groups? I don't know, man. This is your, this is How your, can we get involved? Yeah, man. This is your opportunity as to even t- t- talk to our listeners here and, and tell the them. The best thing that could be done, two things, find my Instagram because I post all of our shows on there. And when you do come to a show, please bring five people the next time you come. That's all I ask. And then after that, those people will bring five people. And then eventually we're going to have our tipping point and it's going to explode. So, yeah, I love it. <laughs> Man. How can, so you're on Instagram, Marlo yeah. Suzanne, people can search you there. Are you on Facebook and all those other places? Yeah, I'm or? on Facebook. Uh, you can yeah, find she is. My that's YouTube where I see channel. a lot of pretty pictures. Yes. I try to, that's the thing that's so crazy about performing arts in this day is like, you have to do the social media. I mean, I guess you could try, but I'm not, I don't want to try to do it without social media at this point. It's just, that's where the world's consciousness is. It's just on there and if you want people to show up but yeah um my name marlo m a double r l o s u double z a double n e so i have lots of doubles in there <laughs> that kind of reminds me of the goose from uh charlotte's web and i'll put those links at iamsaltlake.com with this episode as well uh yes. chrissy has a final question she asked yes, everybody that comes through here, Marla. So I'm going to let her ask you. And uh, thank you again for doing a podcast with us, man. Yeah, you've been, definitely. You've been you've been awesome. You've yeah, been awesome. I appreciate it. It's, it's been really really fun to get to know you more and kind of understand your inspiration and everything behind you. Yeah, um, it's fun to talk before, about it. It's really fun. I love it. Um, before we let you go, would you leave our listeners with a piece of life advice or a motto that you live by? One thing that I'm really presencing right now is to remember that my piece of advice would be remember you are not your feelings you are not your thoughts you are the one who is observing those thoughts and feelings it really separates separates you from your drama and allows you to center relax and remember your why all right, that's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. Remember, our website, IamSaltLake.com. Head on over there. Listen to some of the back episodes of the podcast. You can share share them with your family and friends on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, however you guys do it these days. 
And if you're looking to buy or sell a home here in Salt Lake City, I'd love to help you. Shoot me a text. Give me a call. 801-244-2908. I'd love to help you find your dream home. ChrisHollifieldRealty.com is the website. Head on over there. You all have a great week. Get out and enjoy the city. Support local. And we'll see you next week on the next episode of I Am Salt Lake Podcast.